Okay, Tzorayim Tov. We are finishing up the Aseris Yemei Tshuva in the Sefer Bayam Der Kecha. We're in the fourth and final chapter, and that is the Avoda of Erev Yom Kippur. Yeah. Which next, which this year will be Sunday. So a week, less than a week from today. So the first section is we discuss the essence of the day. And the essence of Erev Yom Kippur is a day that obviously prepares us for the holy day of Yom Kippur. And there's many ways in which we prepare for it. Number one is in a way of extra tshuva we do on Erev Yom Kippur. Because we begin to say vidui. Okay, the real by mincha. We also some have the custom to slaughter a chicken. Kaparot. People go to the mikvah. It's all for teshuva. And so that's one thing. Extra tshuva. And another thing, extra eating. And that is to rejoice with the kapara and the great closeness that's about to come to us. And now we're going to explain each and every one, basically the main two ideas over here. First one, eating. So we already talked about eating last Thursday and all the 10 days of tshuva. But the rabbis say like this, anyone who eats and drinks on the ninth day of Tishrei, Hashem considers it as if he fasted on the ninth and on the tenth in a meritorious way. If he eats on the ninth and he fasts on the tenth, God considers virtuous as if he fasted on the ninth and on the tenth. And the Rizal explains the inner aspect of this. He says, if you recall, on all ten days of tshuva, through our eating, we receive the shefa, the flow of the sphira that's meant to come to us, as we described in the last class. Now, Yom Kippur is the 10th day of the Aser Shemei Tshuva. And we want to get the Shefa also of the Sphira of Yesod and Malchut, which we want to get on Yom Kippur. But how can the Shefa come if we can't eat on Yom Kippur? Every day there's, there's aspects, there's the prayer, to get the shefa, the inner one, but want the outer aspect. And that comes with the actual eating, with the right kavanah, as we said. So you can't eat on Yom Kippur. What's going to happen? How's it going to come? And if it doesn't enter through the eating, so besides the fact that that shefa gets lost, but it'll cause that, that part of the shefa gets lost, but it causes that the whole shefa that's unique for Yom Kippur the inner one will not get in because the rule is that if it's not possible for the next level to enter in the perfect way, it doesn't come in at all. Okay. So if we're not, if we're not able uh, to get one aspect of it, and part of that is the eating aspect, so we can't get anything in. So it's going to cause a great loss. So therefore, the Torah tells us, eat a lot on Erev Yom Kippur to achieve what the eating is supposed to be. So you want to get a double shefa through the eating of Erev Yom Kippur. You want the shefa 
of Hod, which is for Erev Kippur, and also the Shefa of Yesod and Malchus, that's for Yom Kippur. So we're eating with all those three things in mind. Okay, and therefore we finish all the Avodah of eating of Aser Shemei and we've perfected the outer aspect, and then we can work on the inner aspect of Yesod and Malchut. And therefore, Erev Yom Kippur, we got to eat double and have double kavanas for the sphere of Hod. Hod is the kavana for the Erev Yom Kippur itself. And the extra eating is for the kavana of Yesod and Malchus, which is really for Yom Kippur. That's what the extra eating for. And obviously, it's just not, it's not meant just to eat to fill your tithes. Because no shefa comes in at all. But the kavana is to strengthen ourselves to eat with holiness. Because these days are the roots that touch on the whole year. And everyone have according to his level has to eat in an increased holy way. So therefore, for some of us it might be hard. At least a minimum kavana should be, I'm eating so I won't be hungry tomorrow. <laughs> That's at least a, a minimum I, I want to be able to not eat on Yom Kippur, so I've got to eat enough that I will not be hungry, that I won't get sick. That's part of it. But you don't have to overeat and get a stomachache going into Yom Kippur. Now, it's interesting. There's an interesting thing that you can do now. It's been for a while. There are little time-released pills that you can take. One is a time-released caffeine pill for those who get caffeine withdrawal. And there's also a time-released type of uh, Tylenol or Advil. That, and what you do is you take it before Yom Kippur and over the day it slowly releases so you don't get that caffeine uh, withdrawal. And usually when you don't eat, your body feels weak. And the, and the Tylenol makes you feel stronger. So I used to never take it, but this last tissue if I took it, it was amazing. The fast was simple. It was nothing. So some would suggest, incorrectly, that that's like cheating. Because you're supposed to suffer. <laughs> but we're going to see shortly that it's not. It's not meant to inflict pain. And the truth is, if you really are suffering, it's going to be harder to do the avoda of Yom Kippur properly. Okay. So really, you know, in the olden days, Jews were made, people were made out of tougher stuff. You don't need a day. Big deal. Take it fast a lot. Now we're a bunch of weaklings. We don't eat by lunch. I'm already dying. And that's a, and that's a problem because we're so used to stuffing ourselves. So, but this, it like really works. It's a little bit expensive. Each one, each one is $20. You get him the uh, cola? No. The Colel has somebody that you uh, can contact. You can call, the, you look on the Colel website. It has a person who lives on one of the streets, a regular person, you just call them up and tell them you want to pick it up. And the extra money goes to tzedakah for the kolo. Mm -hmm. 
So you take both pills. Now, if you don't drink coffee, I guess you don't have to worry about the caffeine withdrawal. But if you have coffee and you got that, so you spend $40. So some people will say, well, why should I waste the $40? But the difference is if it's your feel good. So as, as we'll see shortly, we're not, even though the word for Yom Kippur, it, it's called to be inui, which means to afflict oneself. But we'll see that that's really not the, the point. The point is not to hurt yourself on Yom Kippur and to hurt yourself by not eating and you're hungry. We'll see that the real point is that I'm not interested in food. And therefore, if you're not feeling the hunger, it makes it even better. So what you could do then is there's no problem taking these two little capsules um, and therefore that is the preparation for the Chag that's coming up and you're having in mind you know for you know the Esod and the Malchus that that you're trying to get when you're taking those little capsules yeah so I can relate then ask a question but I hear you say you don't want to suffer any pain but for sometimes if overcoming that that urge to eat and overcoming that bad feeling is part of the voda. You definitely feel like something better when I'm able to focus and push that away. But I know I've hit that better point. So well, here's the point. We're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not working on trying to push it away. We just want to be able to ignore it. So spending time feeling hungry and pushing the thought out is wasting a lot of precious time on Yom Kippur. If you're feeling if you're feeling hungry and you have to push it away, as we'll see, we'll talk about the Avodah Yom Kippur. You don't want to have to fight with this. You don't have to fight with this. And if and if you mamish, you just don't feel hungry. That's all there is to it. You don't have a headache at three o'clock in the afternoon. You don't have some people like you get this feeling when you haven't eaten, like your body starts getting cold, you know, and your chest hurts not from heart problems, but just you feel a little pressure because you don't eat. It is, it, so why should you not feel your best? You should feel your best on Yom Kippur. That's the point. You're on top of your game, not hanging on. Because you're hanging on, you're spending so much time hanging on, you can't be thinking about what the Avod is. It's not a, it's not a job of, I'm going to defeat my appetite. No, it's just you don't want to have to waste your time thinking about it. As we'll see when we talk more about Yom Kippur. Anyway, that's a suggestion I would make. It's money well spent. Okay. So, yes. So that was the first point. Second point is the custom of kaparot. Fascinating. I don't know if the Sephardim do this. They do, because it's, look, look at this. The Shulchan Aruch, Bet Yosef, says like this, those who have the custom to make kapara, an heir of Yom Kippur, by slaughtering a chicken for a male and to save verses, he says, one should refrain from this custom. That's what the Beis Yosef says. Anyway, the Ramah Ashkenazim says, many of the Gaonim write about this minig and many of the later Achronim write about this minig. And that's the custom in all our lands where the Ashkenazim live. And you should not change it because it's an ancient custom. 
Okay, so I don't know. It could be the Sephardim do it anyway, in spite of the fact that Beit Yosef says not to. But uh, so we will see. Money, well, I understand, but the main so Reb Chaim Vital in the Shar Kavanas writes that this minig is mentioned in the words of the Geonim, and my Rebbe he says the Arizal was very particular to do this. He would take one uh, tarnagol, one uh, rooster, a white one, for every male in the family. And he'd take one chicken, a white one, for every female member of the family. And he continues and he writes, and therefore, a woman who is pregnant, so she's in doubt what child she's going to have, she should slaughter two chickens and one rooster because she needs a chicken. The baby could either be a boy or a girl, so you have to have a chicken and a rooster to cover your bases, so to speak. That's how far they would take this. And says Rav Chaim Vital, and the time for the Shechita should be on the night of Erev Yom Kippur, early in, let's say, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, before the sun comes up, after Selichot. That's the Kabbalistic time. So you're saying Selichot early in the morning. You're finished with the Selichot early in the morning. You slaughter the chicken, and then you go on to davening. And he says, the secret of this is to push down the judgments. And he gets into the whole mystical idea, a tarnagol in Aramaic is called a gever. Okay. And uh, that's there's an aspect mystical beyond us right now of the five gvurot, the five powers that's in a certain realm. And you shechted on the ninth of Av, parallel to the meat of Yesod. And therefore, the, the powers that could hurt you, so to speak, are slaughtered as it were. And there's a lot of similarities to the goat that gets sent out, etc., etc. So what, that's a little beyond what we could understand. But on the simplest level, the kavodah we should have when you shecht this, the Mishaburah says... Purusha said, think that that which we're doing to the bird really is fit to be done to me. I should be slaughtered. But through my tshuva, Hashem will take away the decree and will fulfill it in the bird as almost as if as a korban would be happening. That's Mishabur. The Rizal really is hinting something much deeper. He's saying when you slaughter the, 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 the rooster, you're sweetening up the, the very powerful issues that are emanating from the realm of Yesod. And uh, that gives people, really Yesod is, gives us the final ability to do things. And we really want to do things. What does it mean to sweeten it? He says, you know, the problem is when we do a lot of things, we think that we're doing it. And we can remember Yesod as Yosef HaTzadik was, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just taking everything that's there and putting it all together. But I'm nothing. But, you know, when you're doing a lot of tshuva, you might think you're doing something. So now we slaughter the chicken to say, we slaughter our somethingness about ourselves and our thinking that we've accomplished things on our own. 
So therefore, we slaughter the bird and we slaughter our feeling of accomplishment. That's a deeper understanding. Now, that is to fulfill the custom in 100%. Now, nowadays, it's a little bit tricky. Not everybody's got a good constitution to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You can order from Chabad. There's a truck out there at about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning with hundreds of chickens. Yeah, right at Chabad Gate. Yeah. Chabad Gate. You got to order it like now. It might. It's going to be too late in another day or two. It's too late. And whatever you have to pay, whatever thirty six dollars for a chicken, whatever. And you got your chicken or rooster, male and female. You could take it and wave it over your head. You could do it. This luxury. No. What? Do this luxury? No. No, no. Then you give it to them. And they they take it to a slaughterhouse and they give and they give the chickens to tzedakah. They give it to poor people. They give them slaughtered chickens. So, uh, but that was uh, in the old home, you know, in Europe. My mother, Rachel, would say that she would, uh, you know, they would bring the chicken to the house, and many people themselves knew how to shecht. Or you would take it to the shaykhit, and he shechts it right in front of your face, and now you prepared that chicken. And either you ate it or you gave it to the poor. Many of the people themselves were poor. So I've done it a few times when I had, when I had the kids and this. Sometimes it's hard to get all the little kids out. So once we brought the chicken to the house and we did it there and then I brought it back. But, uh, but now there are many who, um, for whatever reason, do it with money. And you take the money and you wave it over your head. But you have to have the same kavanas. This is all custom, but the kavana is... So, you know, you got to figure, okay, how, how much are you worth? Well, a chicken, chicken at least is human, uh, not human, it's alive. It's alive, and you're alive, so you have something in common with it. So when you shech the chicken, you say, okay, it was alive, now it's dead. I should be dead, but no, Hashem wants to give me kapara. Money, it's hard to imagine the money being alive and then the money being dead, unless you have stocks that have fell, fell, fallen apart. Maybe take some of your stocks. I don't know. But, you know, it's hard to make it exactly the same. But we have to understand we can't always have, not everybody has access to chickens and that. Also, if everybody would do it on an Erev Yom Kippur, it would be very, very crowded. So a lot of people also do it, let's say, starting today. Any day, in the middle of the day, you go to, I remember one year we went to uh, one of the uh, butcher shops. And in the back, you uh, take the chicken and, oh, it really smells bad. In the back of a butcher shop, it really smells bad. He's got all the blood and guts all over the floor. Does that have to be a kosher chicken? Yes. But chickens are kosher. Chickens are kosher. Chickens are kosher. Anyway, so that is the concept of Erev Yom Kippur, yeah? money cannot be related to dam, dam, well, yeah, you know, people make their money by giving their blood, sweat, and tears for that, okay? But, uh, so yeah, part, part of when you're making money, that's part of your effort, your time, your life, and you're taking that, you're giving it away. So that, you can do that to fulfill the, remember, it's all a custom. If you don't do it at all, there's no affair, but remember, the customs are the mood setters, the mood setters. And uh, Beis Yosef said not to do it, right? But, 
And I think some people think, well, all I gotta do is slaughter the chicken and I don't gotta do anything on Yom Kippur. No, it's just the mood setter, just to know you should get slaughtered, but you gotta do tshuva. Okay, that's the idea. And the last part he says, it's also, this stage we reveal the simchas of Yom Kippurim. Because Yom Kippurim really is a day of great joy because Hashem purifies you and brings you close to Him, purifies you from your sins. And really when you're happy, you should eat. But on Yom Kippur, even if we're happy, we're being forgiven, but you can't eat. So therefore we preface the revelation of the joy on Erev Yom Kippur by eating and drinking and being joyful with the kapora. So, in, so it's interesting. You should not be really coming in on, to Yom Kippur in a gloomy, doomy mood. So, but it should. You shouldn't come in in a frival, frivolous mood. So, therefore, when you're eating. You're eating in a way you're saying, I'm eating to celebrate the fact that Hashem is going to cleanse us. But it's but I'm taking it seriously. That I'm doing sincere tshuva and I'm so fortunate. You imagine if, let's say, you uh, were involved in a secular criminal case and you could have been punished to sit 20 years in jail. And the judge says, you know, we're going to do we're going to send you to community work. Many hours of community work. You should be thrilled that you're doing community work. Community work is getting me out of jail. So, Lahavdul, the same thing over here. You're supposed to die. You've you, you got blemishes all over your soul. So, Hashem says, this day we can clear it all out. So, that's a tremendous benefit. So, you should really be happy and when you're happy, you celebrate by eating. So that eating is a celebration of realizing that kapara is eminent if we take advantage of the situation properly. That, that is the mood of Aryam Kippur. So it, it's, it's, it's mixed emotions. Just like Rosh Hashanah, all these days are mixed. There's genuine joy, but seriousness. It's not joy that's frivolous that you're just going to be silly and get drunk and things like that no you eat and you eat a, a good meal but remember the way we say how to eating to to extract the, the sparks of energy remove the clipos and all that and part of the chew process so uh, it's it's a very subtle type of joy not the carousing type of joy you know Matt not like the joy of the Super Bowl where you take a big bucket of wings and beers and your mom is eating a lot and you're having a great time not that kind of Super Bowl eating it's an eating knowing that you're going to be pardoned from a terrible crime and you're celebrating for that before the pardon is happening yeah sure no reason why you couldn't have wine that's what it says that the, the, the rum, that uh, again he uh, where do we have this here hmm. it's the Gemara says he who eats and drinks and when they talk about drinking they don't talk about drinking water it always means wine so you could have wine but make sure you know don't take too much wine 
You got to be careful. You eat too much, you don't want to fall asleep at Kol Nidre. I find that a very difficult drush to give. The hardest drush of the whole year is Kol Nidre. Half the shul falls asleep. And I'm not blaming them. They just had a big meal. An hour before, an hour and a half, they had a big meal, right? And uh, especially especially when it's like on a, Yom Kippur's on a Shabbat, because then they work the whole week. They're tired. Yeah. Okay, this year it's on a Sunday night, so shouldn't be as tired. They slept on Shabbos. <laughs> but, uh, it, but it's hard, and you got to really, and it's got to be a longer speech because it has to take you from uh, Kol Nidre till the sun goes down. It's about 45 minutes. It's got to be a longer drush. Now, in some places... Uh, let's say in yeshivas, uh, they they have a small drush and the bachrim study bechavuta for a little while. In more modern places, whatever you want to call, they do fundraising, they do appeals. Israel bonds is one of them, or shuls do appeals. So you know it's an appeal. You're not falling asleep because people say, "Well, how much did he give? How much did he give?" And they say, "How much did we collect?" Makes a little interest, so to speak. Either way, it's it's difficult. You have to be careful to eat in a proper way. Okay, so this finishes Elul and the Aser Shemei Tshuva. We now move into the next section of the Sefer, which is called Yom HaKippurim. So we're going to read from my book, page Kufmam Hey, gives a little bit of it, just a brief preface to everything. And he says, after... The illuminating service of Rosh Hashanah and the 10 days of repentance, that's the first stage. And, and that binds us with the Almighty. That's what hopefully we achieve this by, by next Sunday. We want to achieve a closest Hashem. Now that we come to Yom Kippur, we want to move to the second stage. There's going to be more stages because after Yom Kippur is still Sukkot. So there's a lot of stages. And what's the second stage? It's to the light of Yom Kippur. And he explains that any connection, any type of construction is built by stages. And only when you build the stages properly in order can you succeed in the total building. And you gotta be thinking at every stage and every stage is important. The first floor is important. Oh no, I, I, I'm really going to live on the 25th floor. No, but the first floor is still very important. And to be happy that the first floor is done as if there's nothing more that needs to be done. In other words, we know there's a whole procedure of steps. Rosh Hashanah, Seshmei Tshuva, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. <coughs> stages. I said, well, I want to get all the way to the end. No, no, no. Take every stage, enjoy the moment, enjoy the process. Every stage is something to be joyful about. Rosh Hashanah, you could say, ah, what a waste we have Rosh Hashanah. I gotta get to Yom Kippur, I gotta get atoned for. And no, there's a higher level of that that's gonna come out of Simchus Torah. Let's just go right to Simchus Torah. <coughs> you know, they tell, but he's saying, each one you have to be happy with what it is. As if there's nothing else. And he gives an analogy, let's say a chassan and a kalam. They're building a new home. <coughs> well, there's a lot of steps in the connection. First came the dating. That was one stage of life. 
Then came the engagement. It's another stage. Then came the marriage. Each one is meant to be enjoyed for itself, and you can't have one without the other. You can't get married unless you were dating, and you can't get married unless you were engaged. You can't get engaged unless you were dating. <laughs> They're all different stages. And, uh, and that's the way of the world. In every stage that we benefit and we're joyful, it's as if there's nothing more than that. When they're first going out and they're enjoying their company, that's really nice. That's really great. What could be better than that? Well, then you get engaged. Well, I guess that's better. What could be better than that? Well, I guess you get married. And that gets better than that too. Similarly, us with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if we merited and received on Rosh Hashanah the, the, the kingdom in its inner core and we're engaged with the proper avoda with our whole hearts, now we can go further and enter into a deeper level. The first level of Rosh Hashanah, we merited to recognize the unity of Hashem and we accepted upon ourselves the kingdom of Hashem and we decided to live honestly with Hashem and to reveal Hashem, to be nullified into Hashem. We're choosing to be nullified. That is the first stage and we're solidifying this over these nine days. The second stage, Yom Kippur, we deepen the recognition of the unity of Hashem. And we're going to see there's two separate avodas that we have to do on Yom Kippur to deepen that recognition. The first one is to succeed in bringing in the light of the kingdom and the unity of Hashem into the details of life and into the lowest, lowest parts of existence. And the second is to deepen the connection with Hashem to a much deeper part within our hearts in a way that all our avoda until now compared to what it will become on Yom Kippur will look superficial compared to what Yom Kippur is like. And those two avodas have one root and that is and Yom Kippur is revealed the recognition of we have Hashem on a much deeper level. And the more you recognize Hashem, it helps us succeed in revealing the unity of Hashem in places <laughs> that are deeper, lower, and further away, where the light is more concealed. And we want to bring out that light. That all comes through that recognition. So there's no shortcuts to this. You got to take one step at a time. Hopefully, Rosh Hashanah, we succeeded. We still have eight more days of Aser Shemei to continue that. But now tomorrow we'll get into the exact avoda of Yom Kippur.